This week on the Smitty and Mitty Show, late night hockey night in Canada host David Amber is going to join us. Also, the Blue Jays hand out a $131 million extension over seven years to Jose Barrios. That and more, it's the Smitty and Mitty Show. Booyah! And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Smitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It is the Smitty and Mini Show brought to you by Goldline Curling, the choice of champions, and Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial. Please remember that the Ontario Tankard is happening in Port Elgin, Ontario, February 9th? I do this every time. February 9th to 13th is, I believe, what we agreed on. Ch- tickets are on sale We, we now. didn't agree on anything. Well, it's because I always ask you. That's the Noah tur- Smith. The tournament organizers is who agreed on the schedule. I'm Tyler Middleton, and that is Noah Smith over there, who's arguing with me, even though every day I ask him this, and he gives me that answer. So 35 that's seconds into the show, and we have an argument. We are underway for yet another <laughs> week here on the Smitty Mitty Show. Follow us on our social media pages, at Smitty Mitty Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find all the good information leading up to our November 27th live show on our Facebook page. We are going to be doing that in support of our Movember campaigns. Some great guests coming up on the show. We'll tease them on those social media pages. One of them is a former guest, one of them uh, a a local to the Port Elgin Owen Sound area. So you're going to want to tune in to our November live show. Well, we can do it now. We have it. We have everything recorded. I just didn't want to do it before we got recorded. Yeah, but like send the people to the social media channels. We'll tease it next week. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just saying they're going to the social media pages to find our Movember links and to uh, to just check out our beautiful faces. What, so you want me to just tell them that Michael Landsberg is going to be joining us? Michael Landsberg will be joining us again of Sick Not Week, also of Off the Record, uh, Lead Off. I should also tell them that Cody Ohm is joining us. You just want me to spill the beans? Cody Ohm, Cody Ohm will also be joining us, Port Elgin native, who talks about concussions and his journey through concussions in sports and how that took him into severe depression and to the point where uh, suicide was an option to him. So those are people who are going to be talking to us we'll on our November. We'll spill all the beans about who's joining us. Well, we'll you just already tell did. them all. You did it. I didn't want you to, and you already Noah said Noah Smith and Tyler Middleton will also be wearing suits, and we Do will I be wearing a jacket. Sexy. Do I have to wear a jacket? I'm just going to wear a shirt and tie this year. It was way too hot yeah, in a jacket was. last year. Yeah, It was hot. I was sweating. And I only have one sport jacket, just yeah. one blazer, so and it's too big. You're going to wear the same one as last year? Yeah. I need to get another one. I got I got nice blue pants and like the the brown shorts and the brown tie. I, like I bought three it, upstairs. I bought it all for refing, but I didn't buy the jacket with it. So it doesn't match. Well, I bought it like a $300 winter jacket because I knew I was going to be wearing it. It's comfy. It's beautiful. It's really nice. Uh, but it's black and it doesn't go with the blue and gray. So now I have to buy either another one of that's that's beige so that I can, you know, look the part or I have to go out and find the blue blazer. Just and get I, black. I don't know what the option black is. Black goes with everything. I just said I have a black jacket and it doesn't go with it. I literally just said what you told but how? me. Black goes with everything. You're asking the colorblind guy to give you... <laughs> It, fashion it's just, advice. it doesn't go with my dark blue pants. Sure, it does. Black and dark blue don't go. You just yes, said you're colorblind. Do. Yes, but I know fashion. 
How do you dress yourself? It's in an the eight-time fashionista you, award winner. Do you change? Do you change in the morning and then come down and like, mom? Huh? Go look, at, look? go look at my wardrobe. There's a lot of black and gray. Because <laughs> you because you can't mess up when you're dressing in black and gray. Very easily distinguishable colors. Yes, and you can't mess up. Well, if you wear like I I got like gray uh gray khaki pants, you go with just about everything. The only thing it doesn't go with is gray. Right, gray on gray, you look weird. The only but aside from that, everything else, being colorblind isn't that tough. You know what? Actually, it was tough. I sat down to color some pictures with pencil crayons the other day. Pencil crayons nowadays are not easy, man. So some of these colors are messed up. Okay, I have a couple. Like, just weird. I have a couple comments for you on that side. Um, first of all, I'm pretty sure they write the names on the pencils, but not the actual names. What do you mean? Like when I was a kid, at most it'd be like sunshine yellow or like sky blue right like it would say them now it doesn't even say them like the color will just be called apricot i don't know what color an apricot is it's like an off orange okay well now i know <laughs> but like you know what i mean like they don't even put like the actual color down were you, on were the pencil you too crayon. embarrassed to to ask like your sister no i just color daughter? whatever i want oh and then and you're like how does this look and they're like you're pink we were actually pink. coloring pictures for britney's work to put up on the walls, but she All wouldn't. Right, now let, I have so many she, more questions. She wouldn't let me put mine up because I put a scar on the kid's face. <laughs> what did he do? What happened? I said he was outside having a snowball fight. Oh, and he took one. He took it's an ice ball. He took an ice, ice ball. ball. Eh? Happens all the time. It happens all the time. Realistic, it's right? Or they were just playing mini. They were playing uh, road hockey, and the, and then mm-hmm. you get that snow bank ball. hit or a snow bank or hit or a yeah. snow bank yeah. hit. There's a lot of options. You take a high stick. You know what? It's four what, minutes. As a Canadian, as a Canadian child, it's not unrealistic. I don't think. No. Outside in the snow, playing around. Stitches. So my other questions are, well, I kind of assumed that you were doing it with your nephew. So my nephew, who is now one month old, yeah, he's definitely out there coloring. Well, you can still sit with him and color. Like that was my that was my only option. But now I realize, like, what is Brit? What what does your girlfriend do that you are coloring pictures for her? She works at the optometrist, so they're putting them up on the walls. <laughs> for what reason? I don't know. Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Okay, really? just more questions. More okay, questions. more questions. So uh, she told you that there were pictures for Christmas, and that's the one you decided to put a scar. Yeah, like, see, this is where the problem an lies. Evil villain. This, is, this is where the problem lies, is that they didn't want, in their beautiful Christmas display of pictures colored by their employees, they didn't want a guy <laughs> with a scar. You know what you could have said is it comes from one of the best Christmas movies ever, Die Hard. Okay. Debatable. Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes, it's a Christmas movie. Oh, we did this last this. year. We've man. been over this last it year. at Christmas. How could it not be? I don't know. That's like saying that Halloween Town's about Halloween. It's called Halloween Town. <laughs> it's right right there. It is there for you. Every Everything you need to know about the movie. It's it's about a town. Next thing you're going to tell me is that Free Willy's about whales? It's about a whale named Willy, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and it, who, my childhood is ruined. Who, who needs to be freed? <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't um, watched it, don't watch Bambi, though. No, it's not a good movie. No. It's actually, it's a very good movie, but just like, uh, hide your kid's eyes. Shield your eyes. I haven't watched those, like, I have a kid that age, but I haven't watched those classic Disney movies in quite a while. Mm. I highly recommend it. Get Disney Plus. There are a lot, I do have Disney Plus, but they're a lot worse when you go back and watch them. Yeah, they're not nearly as good. You know what's my favorite? Oliver and Company. It's mm. a great movie. Never seen it. It's a, it's a good one. Yeah? It, it's one of my favorites. Uh, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo's good. That's a fantastic one. It's not really the classic you were looking for. Um, a little bit newer, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's like that would be like putting it in the same categories like Cars. I've watched the old Jungle Book a lot because my stepdaughter loves it. Terrible movie, mm. terrible. Tarzan, Tarzan's Tarzan soundtrack. 
Yeah. Fantastic. It was actually, I wanted... Phil Collins. I wanted for my wedding, uh, You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Collins. I wanted that to be our first dance, mm -hmm. but it's just, it just didn't have the... Just, she didn't want to do a Tarzan theme song on the wedding? She would have loved to do a Disney theme for, <laughs> for our oh wedding. Gosh. If you do themes for weddings... But that, that Phil Collins song is amazing. It's going to have to be Michael Bublé because, you know what, that was our mm. first concert. That's a really good fallback. Hey, how how soon, how early is too early for Christmas music? Uh, it's already on I know, work. I know, and it's, it's way too early. I had an argument with somebody today. They're like, well, you listen to top music, all the top 100 music all the time. You don't complain about that. Yeah, because it's top 100. It's recent. It's it's new. It changes every week, every month. It actually changes probably less than the Christmas music. The Christmas music? Yeah. No. I, I, new you know Christmas how many times I hear Frosty year. the Snowman? Three or four a day? Yeah. It's terrible. I don't need to hear that until December 1st. I just zone it out. I just zone it out. Uh, let's get into uh, the show today, why don't we? Okay. Got some sports content coming up. An We're going to talk guest. Blue Jays on the back end of the show. Um, why do we always circle back to Blue Jays? Well, it, it was just, a big Blue Jay week. And it was it's a what, big Blue Jays week. <laughs> And we love to talk about the Blue yeah. Jays. We promised that we were going to slow down on the Jays in the off season, but then stuff happens, and we're back to talking Blue Jays. So we'll talk Jays in the uh, back half of the show. And joining us, a big guest, um, he'll talk in just a second, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada. We'll talk about uh, his career getting into sports media and then a little bit about the hockey scene right now. So uh, let's welcome him on to the show this week. From Hockey Night in Canada, it's David Amber. David, thanks for joining us. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show this week. Uh, Noah, Tyler, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate uh, the chance to talk with you guys. Uh, so thank you again. I wanted to start with your background. Um, and I know that your, what was it, your dad was a, a, a reporter for, for CBC covering a lot of political stuff. Um, and is that kind of where you got your bug to be on TV and, and to, uh, to do what you do? Yeah, I'll just, I'll just do one small correction there. He actually was an executive producer of CBC News Specials. Uh, he started out as a reporter for Reuters, and he was way out in Africa, uh, where my two sisters were born. Uh, in the 1960s, and then they came to Canada, and I was born uh, in the 70s. And then, um, yeah, when I was a teenager, I got a chance to to sit around and hear him talk about, you know, how they were covering news events and sports events. He covered a lot of Olympics, and he covered like the royal wedding and the Pope visit, and all these very cool events. So it kind of got me interested in the field. And then when I got a little bit older, you know, I really got to go into the truck and watch him do the events and, and just see all the intricacies that went into live television. And I thought it was really cool. It was very serious, though, um, you know, covering elections and those things was uh, it wasn't for me. I thought, oh, gosh, I would, I, I'm a big sports fan. I'd rather do something a little bit lighter. So uh, sports was my area of interest. And then television. Yeah, he, he 100 percent was uh, a person who encouraged me to go into that field. Now, part of the reason why we wanted to start off the uh, the show this week and, and talk a little bit about your background is because a lot of people might not know that you bounced around from sport to sport. You covered some basketball, football, hockey, baseball, yeah. and, and you finally worked your way into this big gig with Hockey Night in Canada. Tell us a little bit about getting you know roles in lots of different places and how it helps to shape you who you are today. Oh my God. Well, no, first thing I had to tell you is I got, there was a lot of rejection before I had any chance to do any sports. There was ample, ample rejection. It was like trying to date in high school. It was not pleasant <laughs> for me. Um, you know, I, I went to Syracuse university after McGill university and did a, a master's in broadcast journalism. And then I thought, Oh, well, this will be easy. I have a master's degree. Oh, people will be banging down the door to hire me. And I was probably very, well, I was very wrong about that. Um, so I was sending out all sorts of tapes, all these little markets, and it just didn't, 
nothing really stuck. I, I kept getting rejected. Jo you know, Joplin, Missouri, Jackson, Mississippi, and Redding, California, Bangor, Maine, and on and on and on. So I came back home, uh, moved in with my parents and started driving around Ontario and finally got a job in Sault Ste. Marie, thankfully, after 11 months uh, doing sports and news. And then from there, I was out in Calgary at TSN. Uh, I was very fortunate to get an opportunity. Uh, you know, Keith Pelly called me one day and said, how would you like to come to TSN? And my eyes lit up. I thought it was a joke. I actually didn't think it was him. And I went from Sault Ste. Marie to, to um, TSN and covered uh, as you mentioned, a number of sports, uh, big, you know, in Calgary, big CFL, and obviously covered the Flames and all the Olympic preps leading into the 1998 Olympics. Uh, and then, yeah, later in my career, as you mentioned, I had a, covered a ton of baseball when I was down at ESPN down in the States and covered a lot of um, basketball as well. It was NBA TV Canada and with ESPN. And about seven, eight years ago, well, a little bit longer than that, I guess about 10 years ago, I, I hooked on with Hockey Night in Canada, and it's been a wild ride since then and a lot of fun. And it's been exclusively hockey, except for getting a chance to do some Olympic events. So what I love, guys, is the variety of it all. The fact that I, you know, I've been to World Series and I've, uh, I've been to some golf championships and I've been to tennis championships. And I've uh, you know, seen, you know, been to obviously a number of Stanley Cup finals. To, to get an opportunity to just have that variety has been really, really uh, lucky. It's been sensational and uh, gives you a, a real spice for, for all those different events. It was, it was sensational. Really do lucky. you do you miss any of the variety? Like obviously now you're 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 doing a lot of hockey. It's it's the sole focus. Do you miss having the variety of maybe I'll be in a different sport next month? Maybe I'll be covering something new in a couple months. Do you miss that a little bit? Yeah, honestly, I do. Uh, I can tell you at, from a fan's perspective because it wasn't didn't fall under my jurisdiction at all as something I had to cover as a as a broadcaster. When the Raptors had their championship run, I'll be perfectly honest. I was very envious of the Brad phase and. Arash Madanis and everyone else involved uh, with our coverage, um, you know, to, to be a part of that would have been sensational. Just the energy in the city. I live here in Toronto uh, was spectacular and really the energy across the country. Uh, and it's been a long time. I mean, we haven't had a Canadian team win the Stanley Cup since 1993, as you know. You know, we haven't had the Blue Jays haven't had their success since 1993 as well. So it's been a long time coming uh, in some of the other sports. Uh, it, it would be really fun. Uh, to have been part of that coverage. And, and every now and again, I miss it. But if I'm going to be locked into one sport, especially working in Canada, to be with Hockey Night in Canada and with Sportsnet's NHL coverage, uh, certainly no regrets. It's worked out uh, really well. I'm really excited all, all the times I get to come out on air and we're talking hockey because I know the level of passion in this country is through the roof. Now, it intrigues me to know how you deal with what well, you talked about all the failure when you're when you're starting and you're getting turned down by company after company and just trying to find somewhere to get your feet wet. How do you deal with that failure? Because I'm sure that's something a lot of young journalists go through. And it's probably a reason a lot of people don't follow their passion and, and get into the to the business is because they just don't have that drive to stay with it. Tyler, lots of therapy. <laughs> um, but in all joking aside, um, yeah, it was tough. I'll be honest with you. Like there came a time when I, you know, I handed out, I don't know, 30 something tapes down in the States. And I'm not talking big network. I wasn't trying to get on NBC and cover, you know, big events. I was trying to be the weekend sports anchor, you know, making $15,000 a year in Bangor, Maine. Like these didn't, that didn't seem unrealistic to me. And I was getting back rejection letters saying, Hey, we liked your tape, but we received 122 tapes and we chose someone else. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know, 122 tapes to make essentially minimum wage in a little, you know, dinky town. Wow, uh, this is going to be difficult. And, you know, I didn't give up, but a lot of my, you know, a lot of people I know are super talented, 
um, you know, they give up's the wrong word, but I think they sort of just ran out of patience, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, waiting for their opportunity. I was fortunate enough to be able to live in my parents' house rent free, so that wasn't an issue. For other kids, you know, especially going down to Syracuse University, there was a lot of kids down there with a hundred thousand dollars debt, you know, from their undergrad degrees already. And I'm thinking, wow, to go to a job where you're going to make fifteen to twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars when you're already a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and to have to wait, you know, potentially a year before you can even start making those wages. Not everyone had the financial wherewithal uh, to do it, and I certainly, you know, was very lucky to be able to sort of just crash at my parents' place and, and go out there and keep pursuing this. Uh, but there certainly was a time, Tyler, when I was like, I don't, I'm not sure this is going to happen, right? I just didn't know I would get that opportunity. And thankfully, uh, Tony Rima, who was the news director up at uh, MCTV in Sault Ste. Marie, gave me that call and asked me to go up and audition. And I didn't even know where Sault Ste. Marie was, but I you know, got out the map as it was kind of before, right when the internet was starting out and got in the car, drove seven hours, did the audition and luckily got the job so that, uh, you know, again, it's, it's sort of, what do they say when, you know, opportunity and preparation meet, that's your your, you know, where success comes, you know, fruition. And I guess for me, that's what happened. I, I bet when you finally found the Sioux on a map <laughs> that you second guess saying yes to go up there for an interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when, did, when did they make you drive up? Was it the middle of winter too? I got the job in December. It was really, <laughs> they called me on a Sunday and it was uh, the day after Halloween. So it was November 1st. If I'm remembering this right. Yeah. It was November 1st day after Halloween. And I actually, I'll be honest, I was pretty hungover. I had a late <laughs> night party the night before and, I think I went as Tiger Woods, you know, <laughs> that's how long it was. and um, it was, it was crazy. And uh, we got to, uh, he's like, yeah, when you come out to audition, I'm like, sure. He's like, can you come out tomorrow? I'm like, of course, hang up the phone. I'm like, where the heck is you <laughs> no, I'm just a Toronto kid, you know, I'm opening up the map and I'm like, holy crap, it's a seven hour drive. So yeah, it was a little bit like, oh man. But, um, but honestly, I would have driven 20 hours if I had to, because I really, it's something I really wanted to pursue. It's been such a fun field to be a part of. Um, and I owe a lot to that opportunity because that opportunity, and trust me, I made a ton of mistakes in Sault Ste. Marie, even more than I make now. Um, and it just afforded me the opportunity to, to use it as a stepping stone to do other things. And it's worked out really well. So I've been incredibly lucky. So from all the opportunities that you've had and, and the chances to work in multiple sports, multiple places, and to really build up your work now to, to landing a job that a lot of people would call a dream job, how was it like to get the news that you were going to get a role on Hockey Night in Canada, such a historic program here in Canada that a lot of people have been watching for generations in their families? No, it, it really, it's funny. I mean, when you say that, that's what I grew up watching. I couldn't wait for Saturday nights. And I'm so old that it actually used to start at 8 p.m. And there was only one game. And you'd be sitting around, sitting around, sitting around, waiting. Oh, my God, is it not 8 o'clock yet? Is it not 8 o'clock yet? And, you know, watching Dave Hodge and Brian McFarlane and Gary Dornoffer and Howie Meeker and just all of that. And then obviously a little bit later than watching Ron and Don and everyone else doing their thing. Um, to be part of that institution and to be you know, involved in, in something, again, that there's so much passion, there's so much love for the game. Uh, it's exciting. I mean, that's why I always wanted to get into sports, because people care. You know, people have a vested interest in it, and to have the opportunity to work on Hockey Night in Canada and, and have sort of a forward-facing role, too, I, I just find it, you know, it's amazing. And, you know, it is, it is important, you know, the exposure and, and the representation. And I have people come up to me often and sort of say, it's nice to see you on a show like that, because, you know, we grew up and you didn't necessarily see people who, you know, looked a certain way, uh, getting these opportunities. So to be in that, uh, on that platform and in that position is, is such a blessing. And certainly there comes a responsibility with it. I take it very seriously. 
Um, and it's great. And to me, it's like people are giving you part of their weekend. They're part of their time. This is their family time often. This is the time when they don't want to think about their mortgage and their jobs and all those things happening in their life. They just want to have a bit of an escape and a, a bit of a, a chance to dig in and watch their favorite players and watch their favorite teams and to just be welcomed into people's living rooms like that is, is such a great uh, thing. I'm, I'm very you know fortunate to have that opportunity. And when you, like, I remember when I was young watching Hockey Night in Canada, it was like everyone was talking, having snacks, drinking, whatever. Then as soon as Coach's Corner came on, it was just quiet and everyone was paying to, you could be at a bar and everyone would just stop talking and listen. And now you get to work with a Canadian icon that is Ron McLean. Did you use him as a crutch or, or not, a crutch isn't the right word, but um, a guy who's been doing it for so long, get some advice from him. A mentor. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? No, honestly, he's been um, he's been amazing. He's been so helpful. He's he, such a down to earth guy, and we have some great laughs. And and honestly, the whole crew, you know, Elliot and Kevin and Jennifer and Stewie and you know all the guys, Jeff Merrick. I you know I'm gonna I can name them all. Uh, we just have a really good time together. And um, you know, it's been heavier times certainly during the pandemic and different times, you know, last year was tough. Kelly wasn't in studio with us and thankfully he's now with us back in studio, which makes a world of difference. We have a really good time. Um, but specifically with Ron, he's been really helpful and I get to watch him and, you know, he's a magician on air because first of all, the retention he has guys, I mean, he's been doing this since 19, was it nineteen eighty? Seven, I can't. 1984. He's been doing it for a whole long, long before the, I was born. In the current role, that long, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, and he remembers names and faces. There's often we used to do studio studio tours before COVID hit, and I'd come in with six, seven people, and he would, you know, shake their hands and he would remember all their names, and he'd say, "Where are you from?" And, oh, I'm from, you know, Red. Well, not Red Deer. That's where Ron's from. I'm from, you know, Saskatoon, and he would have some stories that would just light up the room, and he he relates to the viewers in a way that very few hosts can do. And that's something I just think it's, it's a gift and he's amazing at it. And, um, you know, I love sort of riding shotgun with him uh, and he's been nothing but just the most gracious guy to sort of allow me some, some space with him. And it's been, it's been wonderful. Yeah. We got to talk to him about episode 25 yeah. or so. And, and what episode is this guys? Uh, 65 60 something 65 come on boys crack the top 50 what's going on here <laughs> we we needed time to shoot that high that was the problem we had to build <laughs> yeah, up our confidence no it. but when he asked me where i was from and i told him i was from Owen sound originally and he goes oh Owen sound i was there in 94 yeah. and he brought all, this whole story all these stories and, and, and people he met and he's oh his face still around it's like yeah why would you remember this like you've been <laughs> I don't want to talk about Ron the whole time because I want to talk about you, but like, it was just, it was amazing. <laughs> it's um, a gift. Honestly, uh, the level of retention, I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. You know? like, <laughs> I, I, I put this binder together and it says sort of NHL notes and the guys kind of laugh at me, but I do that specifically because so many players change, so many coaches change, there's so many different circumstances. I want to document it because I, I just don't have one of those memories. Like Elliot has a bit of that. Uh, certainly Jeff Merrick is sensational with his retention. And Ron is, you know, he takes the cake because he goes back, you know, like he digs in, as you said, Owen Sound, 94. I met Jimmy, the Zamboni driver, and we were at this rink at this time, and here were the teams playing, and it's unbelievable. So it's pretty cool to see. All right, let's move on to the current NHL. And I don't think we can have you on without talking about what is the scandal um, of, of the decade maybe in the NHL. And, I mean, it is because the decade just started. But um, the Chicago Blackhawks and everything that's going on, I, I just simply like everyone knows what's happening. I don't want to forget about it. I want to keep talking about it. And I just want to simply know, do you think the NHL handled it appropriately? 
Tyler, no. Um, and I think they would concede that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of blame to go around, certainly. Um, you know, there was a lot of mismanagement of what was a very important situation. And you can't put wins and losses and championships above humanity. Um, you know, hearing Kyle Beach speak to the pain he has suffered through for the last 11 years and had the situation been dealt with differently, it could have mitigated all of this pain and everyone I think understands and concedes that. And you've heard a number of people say, well, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. And, and the NHL does bear some of the blame because was the infrastructure in place to allow people to feel comfortable, maybe moving forward and doing the things they needed to do there. Again, there's a lot of blame to go around. Um, it's incredibly unfortunate. Uh, you know, Kyle Beach, incredibly courageous. You know, I was brought to tears watching his interview with Rick Westhead. Um, you know, knowing the other damage that's taken place because things weren't handled appropriately is heartbreaking. And I, I hope that's this is that seminal moment where, you know, real effective change can happen, where moving forward, things are better. People do feel more comfortable, not just comfortable. They feel I have to speak up when I see something that isn't right. I can't just go to my boss or assume it's going to go away or hope things get taken care of. I have to be the advocate for that person. I have to make sure things are right. You know, I, I, it's not that dissimilar guys to what we just went through with, you know, George Floyd and the black lives matter movement where it's not enough to, well, I don't, I'm not racist. So, you know, well, that's fine. I'm, I'm glad that you're not uh, a proponent of racism, but you also have to be an, an anti-racist. You have to be an opponent of it. So if you hear something, if you see something, if you see something that isn't right, uh, it, 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 again, it's not a black or white issue. It's a wrong or right issue. And it's the same thing when it comes to, you know, what we witnessed in Chicago. Um, it's just about doing the right thing. And, you know, had more people kind of were compelled to do that, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And it wouldn't be, you know, the scandal of the decade or however you want to term it. And there wouldn't be, you know, the level of victimization that we, we've seen. So, um, you know, kudos to, to Kyle Beach, a wonderful survivor, to, to John Doe number two and you know everything he's going through and, and making sure that he'll be okay moving forward and that's where our focus needs to lie and again i hope everyone's compelled moving forward to, to speak up to act up to intervene and to do what they know in their hearts is the right thing to do now you mentioned earlier when we were talking about uh, being on air and being on hockey night in canada that it is often a time when people kind of just want to get away from issues going on in the world they just want to sit down they want to watch their favorite team on a Saturday night, but it is important for us to have these conversations and it's not something that can just be swept under the rug any longer. How have you guys handled it uh, on hockey night in Canada? Obviously these are conversations that have to be had, but people often don't want to do it on a Saturday night. How have you guys handled it at hockey night in Canada? Has everyone been very open to just, we need to have these conversations. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, we have a collaboration. Uh, we have a number of producers, including our executive producer for Hockey Night, uh, Brian Spear. We we talk through the week. What are the big stories? How can we deal with them? How can we deal with them in the way that educates the public, that moves the story forward, uh, that we have, you know, the most important voices being heard and that we use our platform responsibly. And those are all things we, we factor in. Of course, people would rather just talk about the Edmonton Oilers, what a great start. And the Calgary Flames, oh my God, you know, Mangiapane's playing great. And, and I would love to do that too. But obviously, 
you know, we want, we have this interest and passion and excitement surrounding the stars of the game and the, and the, the games themselves. But we would be doing an incredible disservice if we just didn't talk about these big issues. These issues transcend sport. These issues are bigger than Hockey Night in Canada or bigger than anything else in the sporting world. And they're issues that affect all of us. Um, you know, when when we heard uh, Mark Chipman, you know, in their news conference with Kevin Cheveldeoff saying, you know, he, he, he was very emotional there. And he said, it's not just about what's happened to Kyle Beach and John Doe too. He goes, it's affected me. I know people in my family who've gone through these sorts of issues. We all know people who've suffered through sexual assault and through uh, different, uh, you know, horrible situations, things that we've seen un unravel in the sports landscape. Um, it touches all of us. So I, I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't, you know, you want to have the right tone, you want to have the right balance, but you can't ignore these things. You can't say, well, we're here to talk about sports, you know, you know, the whole just shut up and dribble narrative. That's, I'm sorry, that's, that's, I don't believe in that. The people I work with at, at um, Hockey Night in Canada and at Sportsnet don't believe in that. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing our best to, to bring as much uh, spotlight on these important issues on the incredible platform that we have. Now, I want to talk just before we run out of time here with you about uh, some current stuff going on in the NHL, because the Ottawa Senators have had three of their games this past week canceled due to COVID precautions and a COVID outbreak going on. And I kind of wanted to flip the narrative a little bit on this question and talk about the Olympics, the upcoming Olympics this winter. Does this put in jeopardy what the Olympics and the NHL players going to the Olympics? Are we going to have issues in the future if this keeps up in the NHL? No, that's a great question. And one thing I'll say is um, we don't know. I mean, I, I'd love to rub that crystal ball and know what's going to be the situation in January. I, I don't know what the, the finalized date for the NHL to confirm uh, their attendance, but there is an out. Uh, you know, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, the owners have an out to say we don't like how the pandemic's trending. We feel it might compromise our league moving forward. We don't want to put our players you know, in a situation that would compromise their health. We're uncomfortable doing it. So I know they still have that out. I don't know when that sort of demarcation, that drop dead period for lack of a better expression is. Um, but yeah, I, I wondered the same thing. Um, you know, things are trending in the wrong way right now. We see that you guys are in Ontario. I'm in Ontario. The numbers were kind of at what, 200. Now they're kind of escalating up six, 700. Um, you know, this is no joke. And we've seen that. And we've been burned before by sort of taking it to loosely and other, you know, third wave, fourth wave, fifth wave. I don't know what wave one right now, but it's been <laughs> a lot of waves. Um, yeah, I'm wondering about that. And I think that will be, and that's a great question. I, I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of conversations between the NHL, the NHLPA. And how can we do this, do this in a safe way um, that doesn't compromise the rest of the NHL season, doesn't compromise anyone's safety. Um, and the players clearly want to be there. I get that, but they don't want to go into a situation that's going to disrupt the rest of the NHL season. They want to go there and, and, and compromise their safety. So it has to be done in a safe way. That's going to be a big storyline, guys, in the next you know three, four weeks, I imagine. Huge storyline. All right. I want to wrap it up with something a little lighter. Um, right. You... Uh, I want a story basically. And I heard you mention that you chose sports because it was an out from the real world. It was a place where people could come together and you've seen so many games live, more games than we will ever get to see. So I wonder if there's one sport, one event where that really came true to you, that, that it became an out of body experience or uh, an escape from your life. I have a few and I've been asked this before and, and I wish I could just sort of say there was one moment, <laughs> but, but you know, there was a few I'll start with, 
2002 Olympics, uh, Salt Lake City, both the gold medal game for the men and the women in hockey. It was sensational, right? Um, you know, it was a hard road for the Canadian men's team to, to get to that gold medal game. And, and they're going up against the Americans on their home soil. And we just didn't know how it was going to go. And that was pretty emotional. But I would say the women's final in 2002 in Salt Lake was even more emotional because, you know, you talk to the Haley Wickenheisers, the Jennifer Bodrells, you talk to, you know, Cassie Campbell Passos, and they'll tell you the Americans by all accounts, were the favorites. They might have even been the better team in some respects. They had all the momentum going to those Olympics, and then Canada just turned it on and, and were able to beat the Americans in a game that they had to take on the American team and they had to take on the referees in that game as well. The gold medal game, the, the officiating was fairly one-sided. So um, those come out to mind. Uh, come to mind. The 2014 Sochi Women's Final, Canada, U.S. Again, like no one will forget that because it was just so crazy, dramatic, unbelievable. And there's a baseball game that stands out too. Game seven of the 2001 World Series, I, I was a reporter for TSN and it was right after 9-11. It was the big, big, first big sporting event after 9-11. And, you know, I went to um, Yankee Stadium and George Bush threw out the, you know, President George Bush threw out the first pitch and it took about two hours to get through security to get in, even as a media member. That's how tight security was there. He came out, he threw a strike and the, and the place just erupted. You know, this eagle came and like landed on his shoulder. It was very, you know, the pageantry um, was through the roof. And even as, you know, I'm Canadian, but even in that moment, guys, I just, my heart was pounding. It was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, you know, they ended up losing in what was a pretty dramatic game seven. Luis Gonzalez broken bat uh, single to win it for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Just being there for that series and what it meant sort of on the political stage as well as the sports stage. Um, and what it represented, it re represented sort of a return to normalcy. You know, it was so strange after 9-11. Um, no one knew when they can kind of get back to their lives because we were in such a great state of mourning. And it finally felt like, okay, this is the turning point. You know, we're going to go back. We're starting enjoying ourselves. We're going to start getting back to the things we love, we're passionate about. And that, that World Series really represented that to me. And to have been there in person to witness it all uh, is something I'll never forget. I remember I was at the I was in the states during the Sochi Olympics and after after Team Canada won both the games I wore my jersey and I <laughs> and I went to baseball practice and they made me do laps because I was wearing it and they told me to take the jersey <laughs> off so I took it off and I had my t-shirt on underneath that was my Canada I I went way too far with for a country that doesn't care about hockey I took it way too far uh, Mr Amber really appreciate you jumping on with us um, hopefully we get to talk again sometime and uh, yeah thank you for making time for us tonight. Yeah, guys, anytime. Uh, great questions and really nice conversation and uh, stay well. And so well, this was episode 65. Get me back before like 165, okay? All right. All right. Now we know. Now yeah. we know. Yeah, we have, we have a mark. Now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, guys. Gold Line Curling is proud to support the Port Elgin Chrysler 2022 Ontario Tankard in Saugine Shores. Powered by Bruce Power. February 9th through 13th at the Plex in Port Elgin. Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life Financial Advisor. And I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Smitty and Mitty Show back here from the break. We're Byron Buxton. Why are you saying Byron Buxton? Seems like a random random name to bring up at this point in the show. Because I would love for him to be a Blue Jay. We're about to talk Blue Jays. We were talking off camera or off mics, off speaker, off radio. Off mics. 
And I said, Byron Buxton. What if they signed him? And then ended up trading Gurriel for Jose Ramirez, with obviously with a bunch of other minor league pieces. Imagine that lineup, man. And we were just talking about it. It got me going. I'm excited. The Blue Jays showing that they are here to compete. They are here to win, and they're going to spend some money. Two guys on this roster right now have over $100 million contracts. Two guys. Barrio signs the longest extension in Blue Jays history tied with Vernon Wells. Now, that did not go well. That mm, Wells contract that was, a, was that not was a amazing. real good extension. But. I loved Vernon Wells. But here's the deal with the Such pitcher. A good player. I actually did. And I think he got him and Rios. That was an amazing outfield. Mm-hmm. And they just, they the, never got the, the club of they my should. youth is what they called it. That that was a good outfield. It was. It was. You, you made me lose my track. But with pitchers, it's different. Because a pitcher you're going to expect in the year five, six, seven to be a huge decline. You, you're expecting that going in. You're paying for the next four years of Jose Barrios. Five, five years since he's already got a contract through this year. So that's just, that's incredible. Like, you expect him to have some decline. You're going to bring some other guys in. I still think they're looking for a left-handed pitcher. If it's going to be Robbie Ray, I think that, that Simeon's gone, right? Simeon's gone. Can we agree with that? He's heading out west. Because there's no way that the Jays are going to vote another $100 million contract, and I think that's what it's going to take. But it's not going to take that for Ray, which is why I think Ray is back right. and I think Simeon's it, yes. gone. I do think Ray is still on the radar. Are they going to put up enough? The the thing, the, the reason I think they're going to go for a lefty is because you've seen Noah Syndergaard and you've seen Justin Verlander, who they were both rumored to be kind of in on, sign one-year deals. If the Jays were really looking to push next year, a one-year deal for a Noah Syndergaard or a, or a Justin Verlander, that's a pretty good option because you're not making a long-term commitment. That's why I think that they have so many righties. That they're they're looking for that one lefty piece that's not Ryu <laughs> that can throw a little bit harder than eighty eight. Well, with Barrios, you got Manoa, you got Pearson, right? Like those are some guys that in the next three or four years could be real big pieces for this Blue Jays pitching staff. And you can make the argument that maybe Pearson stays in the bullpen, maybe he stays behind, right? I mean, he hasn't he hasn't shown nearly as much as Manoa did in his rookie season, but the Blue Jays are set up well in the future here, in the next few years in terms of pitching. And they're just maybe that one guy away. And I really do think that it's Ray. I think he's waiting. I think he's waiting. Byron Buxton. <laughs> I just want to say his name one more time. It is so much fun to say. Um, I don't think he'll be a J. I hate to break it to you. I don't either. And I don't really want him to either because he's been hurt a hundred and like he plays like 20 games each year. He's not the guy you really want in your lineup, but you mentioned Pearson. I still think he's a bullpen piece. Um, and I think if he's not going to be a bullpen piece, he's going to be a ship piece. If you're going to make a trade for a pitcher, maybe you send uh, Gurriel and Pearson down to Miami and you end up getting Sixto Sanchez back. You know, I know it's a righty. Maybe you can get Tyler Rogers. I doubt it. Um, but you get one of their young player pitchers for a young position player, and then you give him a pitcher back. I think he's going to be like that extra throw-in because I still don't see the upside coming through on Pearson. Like we, we saw some good signs from the bullpen, but if this organization is not going to leave him in the pen, then I don't want them to pressure him into starting again. Like he found a good groove. And are we really going to see anything better from Pearson next year out of, out of the starting rotation? So why don't you leave him in the pen? That's where, uh, that's fine. Like, I think that's where the Jays want him. I think that's why you're seeing Barrios Stein do an extension 
It's why I think you're going to see Ray back. Right? That gives you three solid starting pitchers. Okay, but you're you assuming find... Ray is going to be back. I am assuming Ray is going to be back. I, I think that's a... I told you before that... I, like, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I said weeks ago that Brios needs to get signed and I don't care about the other two. And Brios got signed to actually what is a pretty friendly deal for a pitcher. Like, that $20 well, million dollars in three what, years... Considering what pitchers normally would have to sign for here in Toronto. Well, just look at what Verlander signed for for one year. That is a team-friendly deal. It is. And the reason they got a team-friendly deal is because they went that seventh year, right? Like, that that's a long time to have um, assured salary. For seven years as a pitcher, you could get hurt next year and you're still paid for seven years. He's, what, 28? 28 or 29, I believe. I think right, he's 29 30 and turns 30. Yet for sure. So that is, uh, it's a good deal for him. But that's right where you and want pitchers. it's a pitchers. good deal for the team. That is right where you want pitchers because that's where they come into their their best. That's where um, they shine is in their late 20s, early 30s. Those are their best years. You're paying for the best years of Jose Barrios. And how much do you think that on December 1st, we are set for the CBA to expire? No rumor about what's happening. We have heard really nothing. How much do you think that the CBA expiring um, kind of influenced Barrios to ink this and, and just to get it done right now? Get a, get a deal done. Why wouldn't you? Because right, make uh, sure that you have a contract in place. Make sure that you're getting paid. Well, there's two things. One, I think smart on his part. December first, if there's no deal, then we go into a lockout. Basically, it's not. It's it's a transaction freeze. So nobody can make deals. Nobody can sign until we have a CBA or until we get closer to the season. Blah 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 blah. So, I think it was more like, hey, let's get this done, so I don't have to wait past December first. And two, what if that CBA has some new rules where Vladdy and Bo become free agents? Uh two years before you expect them to a year before you expect them to that's going to affect what the Jays are willing to pay down the line and maybe the Brio's deal isn't on the table if that happens you know what I mean so I think it's smart and Marcus Simeon who is in the negotiations for the CBA it's important to take a look out for him if he signs before this CBA is up then I think we have problems I think maybe we're not going to see baseball until you know halfway through the year again some other news in Blue Jays land uh, here in the back half of the show as we talk some Blue Jays on the Smitty and Mitty show. Big news this week is uh, we're not getting the MVP in Toronto, but we do have a Cy Young, fourth Cy Young in Toronto Blue Jays history. Big congratulations to the big man. His pants are tight. Yeah. His pants are tight. He's really got to invest in some better pants. Does he or does the team? Maybe he likes it's be, it. Yo, what, you think the team came to him and said, no, you have to wear these skinny pants. We're not going to get you different pants. Yes, it's all about branding. It's all about the image. <laughs> it would draws the him. fans he, in. Draws he wanted the, fans the pants. It's, it's part of his contract. <laughs> I must have skinny jeans or the Jays put pants. it in. The Jays, Jays were like, listen, we need to just sign this part here. It says don't even read about, it, man. Don't it says read something it. about you having to wear tight pants, but it's fine. Just don't worry about it. They're going to be comfy. We promise. You'll be on t-shirts and you're going to win a Cy Young. But this is kind of the exact reason that, I mean, I'm okay if they don't sign either Simeon or Ray. I mean, both of them were flyers, one-year deals, and they both turned out amazing. Simeon, a finalist for the MVP, and Ray, uh, a Cy Young winner in the AL. But do you not think that Robbie Ray, um, based on what we've seen, based on what we've heard, wants to be in Toronto a whole lot more than Simeon does? Yes. Do I think there's way more risk with Ray? Yes. Yes. There's generally more risk with pitchers, generally I, speaking. I could see... Here's the problem. I could see a five-year deal with Ray 
getting terminated after three years because he can't find the, the strike zone. It's happened multiple times before. Sure, that's the risk you take with pitchers all the time, though. Uh, Verlander has proven to do it. Okay, I mean, but you're not paying him Verlander money. You're not going to be paying him Verlander money. I think you're right around the same... What was Verlander, 23? I think you're between probably 18 and 23 for Ray. I think that's where you're going to be. Mm, that seems high. He's a Cy Young Award winner. Sure. Sure. It's going it, to come... It'll depend, on, it'll depend on term, but... I, I think it's going to come down to term, and I really... I, I think the gamble there is not worth, worth the reward. I, I just... There are so many avenues to where he is the pitcher he used to be and not this Cy Young Award winning pitcher. Sure. I think there's a part, and maybe it's just the fact that we're Jays fans and we love what Pete Walker does, but I think there's a part of me that thinks that Ray wants to be in Toronto because it was the place where he got back on track, That's where great. he got to be himself. That's great. Right? Give me a three-year contract then if you really want to be here. Sure. I don't care what they pay him. Just give me a three-year contract. Take it. Maybe take it. I'll even, take a even two deal. with a club option. Take it all day. I would take three with a club option. Give me the Ryu deal, and I sign him right now. It's that fifth, sixth year that's really scary. Ink the paper. Me. Ink the paper. You I don't even it. know if he would. Obviously, he's going to want to sign a longer-term deal, but I don't know if anyone's going to want to give him that. I uh, And there's a part of me, too, that thinks as soon as he went to the, uh, like, same with Simeon, as soon as he becomes a Boris um, uh, client. Client. Uh, I mean, I know Ryu was, and, and Boris was able to get a deal done there, but I, I just, there's been mm. bad blood between those two. Yeah, but the Boris stuff kind of is changing, you know, around a little bit in the last few years, right? I mean, guys signing places that, you know, are just good deals for them, right? Like, it's no that, longer... That's the thing with the Boris with... age, or with the Boris client, is that you are not going to get that friendly deal. No. That is, he is there to make as much money as he possibly can. Let's quickly... AL Manager of the Year, NL Manager of the Year, um, Dave Kapler for the NL, Kevin Cash for the AL. Did you see? I'm not surprised. Did you see the Sportsnet um, poster that they put out on Twitter? For who? For the for the two winners. Oh no, I didn't. First of all, it was a picture of Scott Service instead nice. of Kevin Cash. Gotta love it. And then they spelled Kapler with a C, not a K. And then uh, like hours later, there was a posting for a social media <laughs> at Rogers. Is that you, Kev? <laughs> Is that so, you, Kev? They didn't do it well. Um, I just, I'm not shocked still, by either of those. No, I'm not shocked by But you know what still bugs me is when I hear people that are angry that Charlie Montoya didn't get the... Like, oh, it just, man, give that a rest. It just bugs give me, Give that a man. rest. It bugs me so much. Because you know what that... You know what I... Like, t- I heard Tabby say. Let me get this off my chest. He says, he's a great player's coach. You never hear anybody say, he does great work on the field. You never hear anyone say that. That he makes great decisions on the field. What he says is, oh, he's a super nice guy, and he gets yeah. along with the players. Players love being around him. Players but nobody ever him. mentions what he does I'm on the field. I'm not paying you to be someone that the players love being around. No, you can be a you can you can be a bench boss and make half what you're making and be the best friends. And we can find somebody that's actually going to come in to be the manager of this team that will make on field decisions. I'm not saying you have to be a hard ass either. I'm not saying you have to be the grumpy pants in the dugout. It's just you got to find the happy medium. I, I'm you have the, to make I'm the, the right old-fashioned guy. You have to I, make the right decisions first. I'm the old-fashioned guy where I want. That's what I want. I want Joe Torre at the end of the bench yelling at his players. Like I to me, a manager needs to be somebody that you're almost scared when he's walking at you that you did something wrong. And I know it's different in the major leagues because what do they care? They're making tens of millions of dollars. But 
I just want that that presence of that dad. And then the assistant coaches, the bench boss, the pitching coaches, the hitting coaches, those are the guys you can be buddies with. Yeah, I just <laughs> baseball has changed so much, man. Pro sports have changed so much. Like, that won't fly nowadays. Oh, I'm it not won't s- fly because the, the fact of the matter is is that the guy on the mound that you're now um, trying to pull out of the game or saying you're not going to throw him any more innings, he makes three times as much as you. And if he complains to the GM, then your job's gone. But who are the two right? guys in the World Series this year? Dusty Baker. And? Who's the manager? I don't know. I'm blanking right now. You're blanking right now. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the oldest two managers to ever manage in the World Series. I believe they were both over 70. So, yeah, sure. But the old-fashioned still works. Like, no, you did, what you didn't still say there, works, what like, you didn't say is that it's changed for the better. You just said it's changed. Committee, let's say thanks to our guest this week, David Amber, for joining us. Talk a little bit about his broadcasting career, about the NHL now. And, of course, thank you to you for being here with me for yet another week. I couldn't have done this without you. you I really the, couldn't. Do you have the feeling that we upset Amber? <laughs> Why do you say that? I just feel like he. we asked him two like really negative questions to, <laughs> to end it. To be fair, we asked him before we started recording if we could ask those. And he's like, yeah, those are really down subjects, though, for a podcast. And we're like, yeah, but they're important. And it's also a radio show. Like, we need to talk about the, the, the recent stuff. And we haven't had a hockey guy on to talk about the Blackhawks. Since Hawks all thing. that stuff happens. Yeah, so exactly. All right, well, that does it for us for another week here. Thank you to Goldline Curling, the choice of champions, and to Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial. Life is brighter under the sun. Help him make this show possible. Thanks to David Amber for joining us. We got some exciting news. Movember Live Show coming up on November 27th, and we announced our guests coming up uh, on the show this week. Michael Landsberg and Cody Ohm will be joining us, so make sure you tune into our Facebook page 1 o'clock on November 27th to hear us talk about Movember. Also, go to our social media pages, Spinny Bitch on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And that is where you can check out our uh, where, where our link is to our Movember. To our, donate. Get the our Mo Space in. page where you can donate to this amazing cause. Or you can hold it to the live show. I don't care. As long as you donate what you can and what you are willing to. That is it for us. We'll see you again next week.